Evening. Good evening. It's been a good day, hasn't it? Really? It has, hasn't it? It's been a blessing being back with you again. And um, what we're going to do tonight, um, my wife would like to sing a song. Is that all right? You know, we ought to have our lives so arranged that it can be changed at any time. And uh, I'm going to help you, but I think you don't need any help. I guess, is this mic all right? And, um, you know, the fellow said that uh, I don't really mind change too much. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> well, it's happening right now. All right, I'm going to ask you tonight to uh, find Psalms 15 and Psalms 24. And I want to read uh, both of those tonight. There are a number of things. Some of them are kind of similar. But it's talking about the same theme here. So Psalm 15... In Psalm 24, both of them are Psalms of David. Uh, we begin with Psalm 15. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord, he that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. And then in uh, Psalms, Psalm 24, it says this. 
The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he that he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall descend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul in, under vanity, nor sworn to sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is a generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Selah. Let us pray. Father, uh, we look to you tonight in the name of Christ. And Lord, we thank you for your word this evening. Thank you for those who have gathered here. And Lord, tonight we are praying, God, that uh, you bless us as we look into your word. And we thank you, Lord, for the songs so far and the testimonies. We're asking your blessing, and we're praying, Lord, tonight for uh, Pastor Pete and Julia and those that are traveling. You give them safety. Uh, be with uh, uh, Brother Peter, Lord, as he's preaching uh, up in uh, Peekskill. We pray you'd bless him there, and uh, Lord, we ask that you would meet again with us tonight. We'll give you the glory and the honor for what you do. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Now, uh, my theme tonight, my title is um, uh, Going Up the Holy Hill. And as you notice in those uh, passages there, it talks about, and asks the question, who shall dwell in the holy hill? And then in, in Psalm 15 and in Psalm 24, it says, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? And he gives uh, the uh, requirements there. And, of course, um, we know we're in the age of grace, but there are things that uh, hinder us from getting up where we're close to God. Now, I, it, there seems like a, uh, there is a, a desire in, the, in people's hearts, even in animals, to go up, <laughs> to go up, and I want to show you this picture here, and you might think this is a little silly, but see, uh, for those who <laughs> like to sit in the back, you're penalized because you can't see this, and I have to describe it to you. Um, Brother New Burger, is that it? Uh, can you see that there? You have no idea. Well, this is old Bubba here. This is a, a bear hound that I had. I raised it. And my brother took it, and when he gave up bear hunting, he gave it away to somebody else. But what he's doing here, I, I mentioned maybe this morning that we burned wood in an outdoor furnace about 75 feet from the house, heat up water, and it circulated through the, the baseboard heaters. And um, it takes about 20 truckloads. I'm talking about pickup truck loads of wood. Plus, last winter I burned three ton of coal. So you can get upset with me, uh, but I will tell you what: global warming uh, is uh, not caused by man. Uh, the the Earth has gone down two two degrees in temperature in the last uh, year or so. March was one of the coldest winters that we've had, I mean months of a winter. Now it's a re that's supposed to be spring, isn't it? I think we had snow all the way through March. And sometimes it got pretty cold. So I've got wood piled up. This was a couple, probably three years ago. Got wood piled up and had the dog out there, Brother Bubba, the name. <laughs> I had him on a chain and he's trying to get up as high as he can get. He's up on the top, the top of the highest pile of the wood that he could get up on. And um, 
He's looking a little guilty back this way towards me. But anyhow, uh, I call that hound dog hierarchy. Um, it, I put it on, on the internet, so you, you look it up maybe. <laughs> if you can't see it back there, Brother Mike. And you're probably not interested. But I like to be different and silly, you know what I mean, in my preaching. Now, the second thing I want to talk about here, about animals getting up, I, I want to tell you about how to catch a fox. My grandfather said one time, you have to be smarter than a fox to catch a fox. And that is so true. They're slick animals. But, you know, they're, they're a type of a, of a sly individual. What you do is you take a carcass of an animal, chicken or something that he likes, and you throw it out in the field someplace. You don't set your trap around that carcass. You find a high place like an anthill. And of course you have to deodor the whole area. I mean around the animal and the traps. You have to deodorize them, uh, boil them in um, oak bark or something to kill the scent, and use gloves and keep your filthy hands off of them. And you put your trap on top of the anthill. Now why is that? Because the fox likes to get up and look at the situation before it ever moves in. It wants to check it out. So it climbs up on that anthill, and lo and behold, he's caught. You understand? There's something else. Man likes to go up high, too. Mount Everest is located between Nepal and Tibet, and it's the tallest mountain above sea level in the world. It's 29,035 feet tall. That is 5.4 miles high. We have a mountain that we can't even call a mountain in our state, West Virginia, that's 4,800-some feet high, and that's less than a mile high. But people have... They've, I saw a, a segment on the news of a man that he loves to climb mountains, and he's, he's older than I am, and he's still trying to climb mountains. But 1953, Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzing, I guess that's how you pronounce it, Sherpa, were the first to climb Mount Everett, Everest rather, and come back down again. Uh, there was another couple that climbed up the mountain in 1924, and they said there is evidence that they got close to the top, but they never made it back down. Uh, they found one of their one's body later, and the other, as far as I know, has never been found. So what makes uh, somebody want to climb a mountain? Because it's there, that's what they say. They like to see if they can conquer that mountain. Well, you know, a Christian ought to have a desire, a natural desire to get up close to God, not climb a physical mountain necessarily. Although someday, you know, sometimes that would do you good if you could get in the mountains and climb up the mountain. Uh, was Rachel here at one time? Never was here. The girl that we're taking, we're taking care of. She's about ready to leave us. So we've had her for over a year now. But uh, our pastor's wife took her and another girl up that mountain in West Virginia I mentioned, it's Spruce Knob, 4,800 and some feet. And she said that Rachel was not impressed. Uh, I guess Amber... Um, was, but Rachel was not impressed with that mountain. You know why? Because she was sick because of all the turns that she was going through. So she was uh, not feeling well. But we like to go up, climb mountains and see beauty and so on. But, you know, it's a lot better to climb up the holy mountain of God and get close to him. Here you don't have any mountains out here. Uh, Texas doesn't have much mountains. It's level, and you can see people that are trying to slip up on you. But uh, you don't have a place to go here where you can climb up maybe on one of the buildings or something. But however, you ought to want to climb up the holy hill of God, ought you not? Don't we want to get closer to God? Well, here's some of the things that hinder us, he said, if we, or the things that we need to do. Notice in verse 2, chapter 15, Psalm 15, one who walks uprightly, 
If, uh, walking uprightly. Uh, Psalm 15, verse 2. Uh, like the people that carry these heavy loads on top of their head, I saw a lady, and she was a tall lady, carrying a basket of, I thought they were eggs, I'm sure they were eggs, on the top of her head in the Ivory Coast of Africa. And she was walking along through the market, and, and they were staying on top of her head. Uh, that's a lot of skill. But I'll tell you what, she wasn't stooping over. She was standing up straight. She was walking uprightly. And spiritually speaking, we need to walk uprightly. We need to find out what's right. Like Bob Jones Sr. said, do right. Do right until the stars fall. Uh, verse 2 also, he says, he walks uprightly, but he worketh righteousness. As uh, Spurgeon said, uh, faith shows itself by good works, and therefore it is not a dead a faith. Any faith that's real will produce works. We will be doing something for God if we have true faith. Are you with me tonight? He said, uh, those who rejoice that everything is done for them by another, even the Lord Jesus, yes, everything that's done for us by him, as far as our salvation is concerned, he said, therefore they hate legality, which is a belief that we are saved by our good works. It's not about uh, being legal or legalistic. It's not about uh, certain rules and regulations that we feel as Christians we should adhere to. That's not what legality is about or legalistic. It's about trying to justify ourselves by good works in the sight of God. But he said those who hate legality and those who trust in another uh, that their work, uh, as far as righteousness and salvation is concerned, is done by another, which is Jesus Christ. He said they are the best workers or doers in the world upon gospel principles. He said if, if we are not positively or possibly serving the Lord and doing his holy will to the best of our power, we may seriously debate our interest in divine things. For the trees which bear no fruit must be hewn down and cast into the fire. He said God's house is a house, it's a hive for workers, not a nest for drones. You know what a drone is? A drone doesn't do anything except propagate. I mean, it's the one that breeds the queen. He does no work. The workers do all the work. And he said that the church is not a hive for drones. It's a hive for workers. So he worketh righteousness. The one who wants to climb up that holy hill walks uprightly, worketh righteousness, honors them that fear the Lord. In verse 4 of Psalm 15, he honors them that fear the Lord. Let me ask you tonight, who are your friends? I'm on Facebook. I hope you don't condemn me for that, but I keep in touch with uh, some of my family, my sister and some of my girls are on Facebook and sons-in-laws and so on, and they have prayer requests and keep us informed and so on, so I don't think it's an evil thing. Sometimes we can spend too much time on it, I understand. And there's a lot of information there. But I, I'll tell you this, I see some Christians on Facebook who name certain, some of them I, I know personally, they name certain movie actors or actresses as honorable people. They love them. Uh, so to speak, they are their friends because they watch their movies and so on. And I know that some of them that they honor are ungodly people. Along with this, in verse 4, it says he contemns a vile person. He hates a vile person. That is, hates their sin and what they're involved in. Let me ask you tonight, who are your heroes? Who are your heroes? Young people, young people need to get some heroes that are serving God. And look to them as examples. I'm not saying bow down and worship them, but I'm saying follow their zeal and do like Paul said. In fact, he was saying essentially 
Do as I do. Follow me as I follow Christ. And we need some uh, honorable people to follow. The uh, next thing, uh, we're talking about taking the right stand. Is walking uprightly, working righteousness, honoring them that fear the Lord, contemning the vile person, and has not lifted up his soul to vanity. Verse 4 of, chapter, of Psalm 24. In verse 4 of Psalm 24, it, it says, He has not lifted up his soul to vanity. What is it that lifts up our soul? You know, uh, Solomon in Ecclesiastes, he went into a long discussion about things that are vanity. Vanity. And we spend, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Christians today, and I know I get involved in this too, I spend time in things that are vain, that won't mean anything for eternity. Do you get involved in that sometimes? And I catch myself, and God begins to speak to me about it and uh, speak to me about spreading myself too thin, uh, getting involved in something that really is not going to bear fruit for eternity. Uh, we need to think about these things. And what is it that lifts up our soul? Is it vain things in this world, or is it godly things, God-honoring things? Someone has said, he who is content with the hus will be reckoned with the swine. You know what swine are. That's pigs, right? And hus is what's left after the corn is gone. You know, we used to hus corn. And we're taking the cover, in other words, off of the corn for those of uh, our city folks tonight. What is it that lifts up our soul? And makes us happy. Let me ask you this. What are you looking for after this service tonight? What are you looking forward to next week? What is it that gets you excited and thrills your soul? When you think about these things. The second thing we talk about here is being true in heart. As it speaks about that in uh, Psalm 15 verse 2. He speaketh the truth in his heart. We dealt with this this morning. But also in Psalm 24, 4, it talks about the pure in heart. There was a woman who painted a picture of her deceased daughter, put it in a drawer and left it. Later, she took it out and looked at it, and it was all blurred and had blotches in it. She repainted it again and put it back in the drawer and later on found out it did the same thing. And then she came to discover that it was some chemicals in the paper that was causing the blotches. And you see, what's, what's in our heart is what comes out. What is in our heart is going to come out sooner or later. We may go along and cover it up for a long time, but eventually it's going to come out. I was speaking about uh, to uh, my wife and uh, Miss Ash Miss, Mrs. Ashley Montour <laughs> this afternoon about a preacher that we were in his church and were so blessed by him. And how many know Lester Roloff? Have ever heard of Lester Roloff? As, as Pastor Montour ever mentioned him, Lester Roloff, he's still on the radio. He's been gone since 1982, but you can still hear him preaching. He was a, a tremendous preacher, and he helped a lot of people, and he, he rescued this one man. Sometimes they, uh, the sheriff, the sheriffs would, or the, the jails would turn over uh, young people to him to take into his homes and to work with and train them. Well, we were with one of them years ago in Georgia, had a nice church. We had a great time with him. We may have been there more than once in his church. Was, I remember it was outside of Atlanta. And later on, I heard that this, this man went back into sin again, went back into the world. I don't know if he was involved in, on dope before or involved with dope or alcohol, what his problem was. But what I'm saying, what's in the heart, you have to be careful. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, according to Jeremiah 17, 9. We need to be careful. 
Jesus said, out of the heart proceed all these things, the evils and so on. Make sure we have a pure heart. So we talked about taking the right stand. We talked about being true in heart. And to keep alliteration going, uh, we're going to talk about throttling covetousness. This man or this person who's trying to go up the holy hill of God throttles covetousness. He doesn't take a reward against the innocent. That's uh, 15.5, Psalm 15.5. He does not take a reward against the innocent. You know who takes a reward against the innocent? That's an abortionist. I mean, can you find any more innocent people than a baby in the womb? He's never done anything wrong. He or she has never done anything wrong. And, uh, you know, we heard a testimony of a woman not long ago that she was, she was aborted, yeah, by a doctor. And actually, uh, they didn't quite do the job, and she lived. And it, it affected her. But she's going around giving a testimony, hey, uh, abortion is wrong, and look what happened to me. I almost died, but I'm alive tonight, and I can give a testimony for Jesus Christ. I'm sure that, I'm sure nobody in here would agree with abortion. I know there's a preacher who says that abortion is not wrong because until that baby breathes its first breath out in, in the open, it is not a human being. Isn't that sad? I'm talking about a Bible preacher that believes in the King James Bible. That is wrong. Deuteronomy 27, 25 said, Cursed be he that taketh the reward to slay an innocent person, and all the people shall say amen. And we ought to say amen to that. And then... Uh, he doesn't loan money out to usury. That's charging interest on money. I mean, as far as, you know, yeah, the, the world does that, and we put money in the bank, and the bank loans the money out for usury. But this was among God's people in the Old Testament. God said you were not to loan money to uh, your fellow man, and that is, had to do with Israel, on usury. You're not to charge interest. You know, money's not everything. There's stocks and bonds and gold and real estate property and so on. No, money is not everything. That's supposed to be a little bit humorous. Tonight so far, everybody's uh, doing pretty well here. So uh, the, the one that wants to get up to that holy hill where God is and live close to him, he takes the right stand, he's true in heart, he throttles covetousness, and he... Number four, he tames his tongue. Amen. A careless word may kindle strife. A cruel word may wreck a life. A bitter word may hate and still. A brutal word may smite and kill. A gracious word may smooth the way. A joyous word may light the day. A timely word may lessen strife. A loving word may heal and bless. Uh, could I give you something here from uh, Matthew Henry uh, talking about taming your tongue in uh, Psalm 15 verse 3 it said he backbiteth not with his tongue Matthew Henry said he is especially careful not to injure his neighbor in his good name though many who would not otherwise wrong their neighbors make nothing of that if any man in this matter bridles not his tongue his religion is vain he knows the worth of a good name and therefore he backbites not defames no man speaks evil of no man makes not others false the subject of his common talk much less of his sport and ridicule nor speaks of them with pleasure nor at all but for edification he makes the best of everybody and the worst of nobody Matthew Henry who I think I told you before wrote his commentary for his children. And it's uh, hard for Christians to understand a lot of his writing today. That shows you how far we've come. Amen and amen. Now I know there are times when we have to talk about things and situations and even about people. Paul talked about people that cause him trouble. But what he's talking about here is taking a good person and dragging them down uh, 
and destroying uh, their testimony. Then in verse uh, 4 of Psalm 15, it, he, he swears to his own hurt and changes not. He keeps his promises. He says, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. Now, I know there's some times when I've forgotten things. And I'm at, I'm at the place now where I, I need to write things down. But we ought to keep our promises when we say we're going to do something. For instance, you say you're going to come to church. Then you ought to be there, if at all possible. I've had so many promises made to me. Oh, yes, sir, I'll be there. Yes, sir, you can count on me, but they never show up. Swears to his own hurt and changes not. Then uh, also in uh, Psalm 24, 4, he has not sworn deceitfully. And what I think about in this, at this time, I think about, I think about these two young men down in Texas, in Austin, Texas. They were twins. One of them was pastoring a Spanish church, and the other one was helping him in that church. And there was a situation came up where there was a boy that had been rebellious and wouldn't do what they told him to do. And I don't know all the details, and there's things on both sides, but they ended up whipping him. And um, he was pretty, in fact, he, had, he was whipped or beaten so much that he had kidney failure. They had a trial. They went to trial, and one of the, one of the boys that did the actual beating um, got 27 years. 26 something, 27. The other one got 14. And um, it's been about seven, eight years ago now. Uh, the other one <clears throat> that was, I guess, holding a boy or standing by or whatever, uh, he got 14 years. And uh, then uh, the judge cut the sentence in half. So the one has 13 and the other one's seven. And the one that had seven, he got. He's out now. The one boy was engaged to one of my daughters. Uh, I've heard of people killing somebody and getting a far less sentence than that, 26, 27 years. I think there was a vendetta uh, against this family, against this church. But now we hear that the mother says that the sentence should be shortened because she didn't tell the truth. She had a boyfriend. And it is said that the boyfriend is the one who actually did the worst beating. They actually bruised his body. But now she's perjured herself on the witness stand, and she'll get in trouble if she goes and says, hey, I, I lied about this thing. That's a terrible thing when you swear deceitfully against somebody in a court or say something about somebody that's not true. And I'll tell you one thing, that somebody that does that is not going to go up the holy hill of God and get close to him. There's one last thing I want to speak about here, and that is those that would go up God's holy hill will treat their neighbor right. Uh, Verse 3 of Psalm 15, he doesn't take up a reproach with his neighbor. And this is where uh, we need to be careful uh, about uh, hearing things and right away we believe what we hear. Uh, we need to check things out. Amen? Uh, we're in kind of a situation right now uh, <clears throat> where... We're being asked to believe something, and of course, there's always more than one party involved, and so uh, what do you do? We try to decipher things the best we can, but uh, we, we need to get into that right now. Let me give you something else about uh, that Matthew Henry said about this. He said, if an ill-natured character of his neighbors be given him, or an ill, this is when you hear a, a bad story about somebody, or an ill-natured story be told him, He's talking about the person that's going up the holy hill of God. 
He will disprove it if he can. If not, it shall die with him and go no further. His charity will cover a multitude of sins. In other words, if you hear something about somebody, one, one thing you do if you hear something about your preacher, somebody saying, well, you did this or you did that. Well, let's go talk to the preacher about it. You know, that usually stops it right there. Amen, Brother Marshall. I'm glad you said that. One last thing, he doesn't do evil to his neighbor. Now, this, this happened among the Amish country, uh, community, and I, I read the book, and the, and the one that wrote the book was a, is a graduate of Bob Jones University. He finally uh, came out of the Amish uh, community and went into the Mennonite, which is a little more in our direction. Uh, at least I think the Mennonites, uh, can they drive cars? Some of them can because uh, I had the Mennonite men's chorus come and sing, bless my heart so much, come and sing in a, in a high school building in Wheeling, West Virginia one time, and they were a blessing. Uh, but anyhow, they came in a vehicle that one of them drove, so I think uh, a lot of them can drive vehicles. But here's Amish people that dress so, you know, exactly alike in, in a certain way and can only have so many, uh, no zippers anywhere and buttons, you know, and I don't know, a lot of restrictions. Uh, don't do this, don't do that, you know, all that stuff. And yet this this guy that was in that Amish community said that there was one family that was a little bit weird among their group. Uh, they went to school with, uh, with him and his sisters, I believe it was, and the other Amish young people would make fun of him and pester him and... And just kept after it, you know. And he said, you know, I could have taken a stand against that, but I didn't do it. You know what happened to that guy? He, he got so depressed, he ended up committing suicide. He doesn't do evil to his neighbor. We don't pester people all the time. We don't make fun of them because they might be different. You know, we're all different. I saw this cartoon one time. All it was was two feet pointed this way and three feet pointing back towards, pointing towards those two feet. And this one here said, I like you. You're different. And, you know, we need to learn to like people because we're all different. I, I'm, I know it's sometimes I'm, my wife wonders if I have any sense at all, I think, when I get to acting silly. And then sometimes I wonder about her. And my mother used to say, they're, everybody's, she used this word like it used to be used years ago. Everyone is queer but me and thee, and sometimes I have doubts about thee. And we all uh, sometimes think, well, we're unique and we're different and we can even get to think about we're better than somebody else. We know more. A fellow said to me one time in our church, he said, I, he, I, said, uh, I, said uh, asked, I greeted him in, out, out in the lobby, and uh, I said, he, no, he said, I'd, I'd already asked him how he's doing, and he told me, he said, how are you doing? I said, I'm ambulating with barely perceptible drag. And he said, there you go. You think you're better than we are. And I never had any idea. It was something that actually, Pastor, Pastor Pete was helping me down in, in Florida one time working on the bus. And it was the power steering. We had to uh, take this particular bearing and use a, a chicken uh, scale. In other words, one of those springy things, you know, we used to weigh chickens with. Yeah, you know about that, don't you? And uh, sort of like the thing that where you used to weigh fruit and so on in the store. And we had to load that bearing, tighten it up in, in that case to the point where it had barely perceptible drag. That's what the book said. And then our friend uh, Pat Cassidy, who was here, told us about when he was up in uh, school in Massachusetts 
Actually, it was his brother's school. He went to a Upper Snooping Group school up there, and Pat went to one of those Upper Snooping Group schools. How you how you doing down here? <laughs> and uh, yeah, he said they that highly educated uh, college had highly educated cheerleaders, and one of their cheers was uh, "Amulate, amulate over the turf." Excel, excel, make them relinquish the ball. It was football. Cheer. And so I picked up on that, emulate. I'm emulating with, and I put the two together with barely perceptible drag. People would ask me how I'm doing, and I would say that. And I said it to that man in our church, and he got offended. I think he didn't like me anyhow. Oh, my. We need to be careful, amen, that we do not do evil to our neighbor and offend them. So I've gone to him, I've talked to him, and things are pretty good. And, and you know what? God has smitten him down in the hospital. We went to visit him before we came up here. <laughs> and he, 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 he was calling me Mr. Marshall. In the beginning, he called me John because I've, I've known the family for a long time. In fact, his brother married my cousin, and <laughs> and then he got upset with me, and he called. He started calling me Mr. Marshall. So we went and visited him. I read a scripture to him, prayed for him, and uh, when I left, he said, uh, "Thank you, John and Lee, for coming to visit me." So we're making progress. Amen. We have to work on that. If you have something against somebody, or feel like somebody has something against you, try to get it worked out. Amen? Don't take up a reproach against your neighbor and don't do evil to your neighbor. We're talking about Christians. If we're ever going to have revival, which I love to preach on and believe in, it's going to be by God's people getting right with one another and with God. And and we we should desire to go up that holy hill. Amen? He that doeth these things, the Bible says, shall never be moved. Now, let me say this tonight. We, we do all things in the power of Jesus Christ. Am I keeping you too long? Uh, we do everything in the power of Jesus Christ. It's Christ that gives us the power to live righteously, to walk uprightly, to tell the truth, to be honest, or whatever, you know, that we need to do to go up that holy hill. So let me give you uh, two more verses of Scripture in one place in the book of Ezekiel. I want you to turn there if you have your Bible tonight, and we're, we're through. I promise you that we're through. Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. When you found that chapter, grunt, will you? All right, Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And watch what the Lord said to Ezekiel. He said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And that's a command. He said, stand up. Didn't he? You read that there? He said, stand up. Now notice the next verse. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me and set me upon my feet that I heard him that spake unto me. So he told him to get up and stand up, but then the Spirit entered into him and lifted him up. And that's what we have in this, in this dispensation of grace. We have the Holy Spirit, so to speak, lifting us up, giving us the power to do what we need to do. So it all boils down to this. It's Jesus Christ that's doing the work in us through his Holy Spirit, prompting us to talk to somebody about Christ, working things out so that we can be a witness for him or talk to that person about the Lord. He's the one that puts it on our heart. He's the one that gives us the power to do it. And to me, this is exciting. I remember Philip, he was just picked up and carried away, you remember? And uh, they said one time, this was in the USA Today. Uh, They said, you know who Muhammad Ali is? Ali, Muhammad Ali? You know who he is, who he was? He's still alive. That boxer that bragged about how good he was. Uh, 
Cassius Clay, that same guy, he was somewhere here in New York City in a restaurant in the, in the back in the kitchen area, in the kitchen area of a restaurant. People were there with him, and he said, watch this. Now, he's a Muslim. He said, watch this. And he was levitated off of the floor. That's what USA Today said. I, I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm just telling you what, what I read. Now, if uh, some other spirit can cause somebody to do that, then the Holy Spirit can help us to walk uprightly and do right, can he not? That's the point I'm making. I have seen one man levitated when I was in the military by something that I didn't want to get involved in. You know what levitating is? It's floating off the floor. Um, the power of Satan can do things like that. Now, I don't want to. I don't want to make a judgment on some of that stuff. But what, I, what the point I'm trying to make in closing tonight is that God will give us the power to do this. We're not in the Old Testament dispensation anymore. We're in the New Testament. We're in. Uh, we're not even in the Book of Acts anymore. <laughs> We've moved on into the Epistles, as far as Christian living is concerned. That's where it's at for us and what we should do. Uh, there's some promises that belong to Israel that don't belong to us. There's some promises that belong to us that do not belong to Israel. Do you understand me? You believe that? I do. Sometimes uh, these um, charismatic groups get all mixed up because they don't understand what, what applies to, to which uh, age or which group of people. And so uh, we need to be careful. The Holy Spirit's already come. He's already living in us. If we're saved, he lives in us. We already have him. What we need to be is filled with him so that he lifts us up so we can live and walk up the holy hill to God. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you to just be with us tonight and help us to realize God, that uh, you're here in our midst right now. Your power is here. You're able to do what you said you'd do. Lord, we desire to live up close to you as your children. I think everyone that's saved would have that desire. At least... Those that have surrendered to you, they want to live close to you. They want to be up in a holy hill with you, Lord, in fellowship with you. And I pray, God, that you work on our hearts tonight. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I just want to ask you this. Anyone here not sure you're saved? If you're not sure you're saved, would you lift your hands? We'd like to pray for you. You know, if you die, you'd go to heaven. You know that your home... In eternity, we'll be with the Lord Jesus Christ. If not, why don't you let us pray for you? Lift your hand. We'll pray for you. And uh, we'll not come back and talk to you about it. But if you want to come and talk to us, we're happy to do that. All right, thank you. Father, we just prayed tonight that you'd be with your people. Again, we ask the Lord you'd help us draw us up, Lord, to your, to your level. As Paul said, that he... He hadn't, uh, hadn't arrived yet, but he was reaching out to be able to walk in the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, God, we, we just pray that we would have that desire. We lay aside the practices that dis, uh, display uh, rebellion and whatever against you, God, and things that are discussed to you. We pray, God, that you would help us to eliminate those things and to want and desire to be holy and close to you, God. Maybe some father would need to come tonight and talk to you about something in their life. Maybe there's a, an idol of some kind, something that they rejoice in and their soul is lifted up about that's not pleasing to you. Maybe something that's good in itself but doing too much of. Or some individual that's uh, 
a worldly, a worldly individual. They're looking at as a their hero and the one they worship. We pray, God, you deal with our hearts. Certainly, we need revival. And we pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. If anyone would like to come tonight and talk to the Lord here, maybe he's spoken to you about something, he's pointed out something, would you come tonight? We stand to our feet.